You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sound of Sanity. This is our famed style of episode called Sanity Shelves, where we talk about the books that we've been reading. Avid readers, are we? Avid readers three. Maybe. Hey, Ben, did you hear what the pirate movie was rated? No. I have a feeling this is going to upset your expectations. (laughs) (laughs) PG for pirate... Pirate gore? Uh, Yeah, for pirate gore. Nope, it was rated (laughs) NC-17. Oh, it's a realistic movie about pirates. It's a very realistic movie about pirates. Lots of pillaging. All right. (laughs) I'm not going to see it. That's all it had, but it was such intense pillaging that it was rated... NC-17. You got me. I gotcha. I subverted your expectations. All right, folks. Speaking of subverted expectations, you might be a gibbering moron who expected different people to be on this podcast, but I will now subvert your expectation by doing the same thing we always do, which is to introduce myself, Nathan. And speaking of gibbering morons, I'll tell you who's not a gibbering moron. He's never gibbered. He's just a regular moron. He's no, never, he's never been moronic. No, he's never been moronic. Nope. He's been ironic. Mm-hmm. He's been ironic. He's been salser. He's been salser. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, it's me. Now, yeah, people have been holding their breath this whole time <laughs> <laughs> because they always hold their breath. This is the thing our fans tell me they do. Until Jake is introduced, they, they, they see. This, it's called the Jake Breath Challenge. <laughs> it's in honor of Jake reading a book by Wim, Wim Hof, whatever his name is. I, yeah. I did read a, a different book by James Nestor called Breath, too. There, that was, yeah, that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. People will hold their breaths until we say, Pastor, who's a master of, and then Jake says whatever he says after that. And then if they haven't passed out, they continue listening to the episode. Right. right. Which is why you need to perfect the Wim Hof method, because sometimes it takes, frankly, a long time. Uh, <laughs> what a stupid podcast. All right. Yes, it uh, is. <laughs> ben, why don't you introduce the Wim Hof Pe- reader himself? Quick, people are passing out. Yeah, people are going to pass out. <laughs> so what I want uh, you to do is I want yeah. you to speak into yeah. that microphone. I want yeah. you to speak clearly. Yeah. I want you to yeah. pass the air through the old vocal cords. I can cords. do that. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> and that. I, yeah, I want that air to come out. I want your lips to curl. I want them to form different, not mm-hmm. like in a sneer, but just in right. different sort of right. ways so that words come out of your mouth. And I'll tell you, you might wonder what words I want you to say. Well, I'm not going to tell you specifically. You'll have to come up with your own. But conceptually, I want those words to introduce Jake Menzel, the pastor who's a master of sanity. So could you do that? Uh, Maybe. Okay. I'm going to try. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. It's it's Jake Menzel. He's the pastor who's a master of sanity. That's that's who it is. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Ah. (gasps) I can hear our (laughs) listeners taking a deep breath of... Not dying, not asphyxiating. Really, every breath you take is a breath of not dying. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. Till that last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about it. That's about it. That's true, folks. All you get. <laughs> uh, 
All one right. Day well, you will breathe your last breath. One day you'll <laughs> breathe your last breath. One day. Maybe you. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure you will. Wow. All right, folks. We're talking about books we've read. <laughs> Anybody read it? <laughs> I can't believe. I can't. I don't. <laughs> it's just like, it's not a joke. I don't know that I've ever let that play through just to play to the trope of Nathan lets that play through. I don't think it's ever happened. I think it, I really just never think that that's going to happen. It's, it's just, I'm disappointed with myself. Amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm the amazing. <laughs> hey folks, this is like the fifth podcast we've recorded today. So we're a little slap happy, but. We've read a lot of books. I'll tell you what we didn't slap was those books. You ever slapped a book down? <laughs> slapped a book down on the table. Slap people know. with books. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you slap people with books. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> book slapping. Right. Book slapping. It's like fish slapping. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What now, Ben, what's the specific- Nineveh? Right. Thanks, Veggie Tales. Last week we talked about stealing. If you want to be a good artist, you have to steal someone's essence, not steal exactly what they're doing. That's right. And, we did. Uh, Veggie Tales, while I don't love it, would be a good example of taking from a lot of things. They're they obviously like Monty Python and all that, but mm-hmm. yep. they they made it into their own thing. A they crappy did. Christian series with vegetables, which I used to really enjoy as a kid. I never, even as a kid, I did not like the Bible episodes where they would tell Bible stories. And it wasn't because as a child, small child I had, I don't know that I was a small child when Veggie Tales was out, but it wasn't that I had some big principle. It was just that the Bible stories themselves always seemed a lot cooler than what, like, what? Oh, they were. These guys and their families are going to get thrown into a pit and into the pit of everlasting tickling? That's not as cool as lions eating them is just stuff like that where it's like they yeah. took all the good stuff out like that's right little boy i liked all the violence and stuff so i liked picking up on the references mm-hmm. i thought that that was fun like mm-hmm. madam madam blueberry was you're a big madam bovary reader <laughs> back in the day <laughs> that's exactly right no it was like the french peas on the wall mm-hmm. being the mon- straight out of monty python yeah 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 it was that sort of thing that I was like, I get that reference. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I did, but I really, I loved it anyway, because they were funny. They were French peas. I mean, yeah. <laughs> What's not to like? Yeah, they were great. Yeah. They're going to throw slushies at you instead of cows or something. Right, right. Oh, I take it back. I did like one of their Bible stories the very best of any Veggie Tales. <laughs> Which one? The bunny. The bunny. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that, I love the bunny. That was great. That I was gave good one. everything it's, that I had for, for the, the bunny. bunny. Yeah. I yeah. won't go to church and I won't go to school. <laughs> that stuff's for sissies, but bunnies are cool. You know, they changed those lyrics for subsequent releases. So many parents complained that their kids were wandering around singing, I won't go to church, I won't go to school. <laughs> uh, that's a, so they actually, oh, no. so if you find a VHS from a very valuable thing now, you can find VHSs from uh-huh. 1995 that have those lyrics. But any subsequent release of that particular episode, they had to change them because lame Christian soccer moms complained and changed the coolest song to something less cool. That's awesome. I'm going to say that the Madam Blueberry episode was actually a better episode than that one, but the bunny episode was pretty great. It was pretty great. And the Larry superhero episode, mm-hmm. that was pretty fun. Old Bob and Larry. Yep. One of these days, our, our patrons are going to make us talk about Phil right. Vischer because... He always shows up on the social media and is kind of an obnoxious personality. Mm-hmm. But today is not that day. And I'm not going to talk about him unless you make me. So 
Although my, my, my wife did go to school with his daughter, huh, huh. which I'll be happy to talk about if you make me. So I guess I'm telling you, you should make me. But we're not cool. going to talk about it. Right now, we're going to talk about books we've read. What books have you guys read? Oh, I, I, what have I finished lately? I feel like there was something. I finished The Revolutionary Summer, the book on summer of 1776 mm-hmm. in America. It was good. I don't really have anything else to say about that book. Enjoyed it. I've been reading, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I've been reading a, a book by, oh, it's Ichabod Spencer, A Pastor's Sketches, which is, it's been around for a while. You, like, you've mentioned it. On the podcast? Mm-hmm. I remember you talking about it. You talked about, oh, maybe it wasn't on the podcast. I think that was just with you. Oh. Yeah. So, well, it's, so it's a record of this pastor, American pastor. Hold on. I'm just going to look up when he was because I, I forget. But what I'll say is it's it's a record of his his meetings with people to, to like evangelize them and stuff. Oh, you definitely talked about this to me. Too. Yeah, I've talked about it to both of you separately, I'm almost certain, mm. because it's made a big impression on me for various reasons. One is that, it, it, well, one is just that he's he's good at what he does. He's good at talking with people. He's good at like considering what makes them tick and then saying what needs to be said and not saying what doesn't need to be said what would i say he wrote down these like these sketches after he would meet with someone so there's a lot of them and some of them have been published i don't know if you can find a way to get them all because he talked with lots of people he, so he did a lot of sketches this for publication this one i believe that he did or this one i'm not sure of the history of it and what date it's, what's the era again it's not it's like the 19th century okay the 1800s it's it's the 1800s yeah and he's he, so he's he's he lives during a time of revival, and he'll often be at these large meetings with lots of people who are like interested in the gospel, which is already like what? Like there's all these like teenagers or college age students. They just want to know about how to be saved. So that's why they're here, and they're going to come back three nights this week. And I, so you're just reading this, you're like, what in the world? What kind of a place, what kind of a world was that? Yeah, so he lived from 1798 to 1854 as a Presbyterian, and he was in Massachusetts ministering there, and then he was in Brooklyn. And he'll have these conversations, and he'll, and he'll record sometimes like very short little interactions with people where he, where he goes in, <laughs> and they're like, he'll be trying to interact with 30 people in an hour after preaching to them. And, and so he'll, he'll, he'll stop and talk personally with each of them. And one guy, he'll start talking to him, and the guy will say, like, I think I have a very wicked heart. And he'll say, well, it's a lot more wicked than you think it is. And then instantly he'll go to the next person. And that's all he'll say to that guy. And that guy will come back a week later and be like, I can't believe you said that to me. I was really ticked off at you. And then I was like, wait a minute. Oh no, like he's right. And then I found the Lord. And so it's stuff like that where he'll just like, I don't have time to say very much to you or it's a bad idea to actually sit and talk with you about this for an extended period of time. It's not going to do you any good. So here's what I'll say. <laughs> He's always doing things like this and talking to these people. And sometimes sometimes he goes and spends hours and hours and hours and hours talking with them and just goes and seeks them out in this way that's, it's just really something. So I don't know. It's a combination of this guy's good at what he does and the fascination of a different era mm-hmm. of Christianity. And his love for people is just striking and the way that he will make the most of an opportunity with someone and not be ashamed to be really, uh, you'd almost call him aggressive, but let's just say assertive. Mm-hmm. And the way that he'll think, no, 
we're done talking about this and I'm going to tell you so because it's not going to do either of us any good. You have this emotional need to talk to me, but I told you what you needed to know. Mm-hmm. And now we're just wasting time. So it just fascinates me. Mm-hmm. Not so, necessarily always one-to-one lessons that one could apply nope. to one's ministry now, nope. but just nope. interesting nope. stuff. But yep. something about the spirit, the heart of the guy mm-hmm. is very compelling. And to know that he was chased by a headless horseman into a... I know. Did you say this guy's name was Ichabod it is, Crane? It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's Ichabod Spencer. Oh, Ichabod Spencer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Easy mistake to make. Easy mistake to make. Well, <laughs> another, I can count the number an, of Ichabods I know on one hand. Another American hero. Another American another hero. Another American yeah. hero. Yeah. So this, this book is fun because you can just pick it up and read a chapter. And a lot of it is just accounts of conversation. And the conversation, it just reminded me of reading Jane Austen or mm. something. The way these guys talk, the wit, the level of education, the level of clarity and precision in speech mm-hmm. is something, is something. So it, ha- it affords some of the pleasure of reading a novel about this stuff, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in its own small way. So that is... A pastor's sketches. All right. What else have we been reading? <laughs> what else you got, Ben? I think that's all I have for now. I'm reading this and that. I haven't finished anything. Don't have much to say. I got two books, but I think Jake's going to bring them both up because he's read reading or read both of them. So I'll just I'll just run through my list yep. and since I'm the guy who always has the huge list. Mm-hmm. Although my list is smaller because it was just sort of like a break from books for a minute and listening more to podcasts and things like that. But I am reading. I'm conti- I'll just I'll tick off a couple other boxes. I mm-hmm. finished Fingerprints of the Gods by Graham Hancock and Good Riddance. I had so much fun dabbling in that book, and by the time I got to the end of it, I was so sick of it and ready to be done. Mm-hmm. I am ready for it to be done, and it's done. So yay. I still am dabbling in Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, and that's just a good book. But I was also sort of realizing that I was getting bored with that sort of thing. Too slow for you. Too slow. And I had built up some credits and I was like, well, you know, there's a proverb I picked up somewhere that said, let yourself be bored with a book, but don't be bored of reading Mm. or something like that. It's a little thing I keep in the back of my mind where it's like, yeah, maybe the problem is just, I'm just, I don't have anything interesting going right now. So I went to my wish list and started to go through, I have a huge wish list on Audible. And I started to go through it and, and try to find something. And then I found like three or four different books on my wish list that were actually all suddenly available for free. That had Audible is like a member thingy. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to download all of these books. Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat comes back. Exactly right. Horton Hears Who. I downloaded The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, which I'd, Haidt. I'd had, I've had recommended to me many times. So I haven't started that yet. The Whole of the Hebrew Bible by Robert Alter, his translation is now available for free on Audible. So nice. I downloaded that and I started listening. Pastor Tim Bailey used to read that to his kids for devotions. Yeah, and I, I love it. I think he's a good translator, even if he's godless. He makes the Hebrew as earthy and metaphorical as the Hebrew is. Yeah, the closest thing to it nowadays, mm-hmm. which isn't to say he doesn't have his problems, but all translations do. Yeah, no such thing as a perfect translation. And then there are two Taleb books on there for free right now. One is Black Swan and the other is The Bed of Procrustes. So I downloaded both of those. Nice. So I've been listening to Proverbs on, you know, Alter's Proverbs. I've been listening to a little bit of The Bed of Procrustes here and there. Super short. It's just sort of like the proverbial wisdom of Taleb. It's did Taleb like, put it together or did a disciple or somebody? No, nah, Taleb just, I think, published his his aphorisms. Right. That's different than like 
the almanac of Naval Ravikant, which is like put together by disciples and fans, right. you know, from tweets and random things. Now, this is Taleb put together and structured his own little book of aphorisms. It's only like two hours long. And, you know, you can't, because it's a bunch of aphorisms, like you're going to read the book of Proverbs, can't do it on two times speed and mm-hmm. get any value out of it. So you have to slow it down and get, you know, a couple here or there. And that's funny. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, that's worth thinking about. So if you listen to it, it actually sounds like a penny saved is a penny earned. Two in the bushel makes... Yeah, but it's acerbic and witty yeah. and, you know, the way that he sort of he sort of is. But there's no other explanatory... Con- it's just that's right. aphorism, aphorism, epigram. Yeah, or, yeah. that okay. sort of thing. And then I started listening to The Black Swan. And so that's been fun. It's... I don't find it yet. I'm only two two or three hours in. I don't find it yet to be that to be as rich or as deep or as interesting as Anti Fragile was. But I also feel like if I work through him from the beginning, if I want to come back to Anti Fragile, I'll get a lot more out of it because mm-hmm. I think he just keeps building on himself. So I'm just sort of like into part of the fun of Taleb is he's just. He's interesting and he's thought provoking and that's, that's fun. I don't know. Continuing to read Anna Karenina for the bookening. It's the best. Really enjoy that and am loving it. And we're in the early months of Kitty and Levin's marriage right now for me. So I'm about 500 pages in, which means I'll probably have to crank up my speed here soon so that we can record. But nobody does marriage like Tolstoy. Yeah, really I mean, amazing. Jane Austen does getting to marriage as better as best as as well as anyone. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. Tolstoy does these are the dynamics of like Levin was expecting to be happy in this way. Instead he was happy in this way. He realized Kitty actually wasn't as interested in his work as she seemed like when they were dating, and then they she was interested in buying a new couch and Making it sound lame as heck, but mm-hmm. Tolstoy has a lot of insights into relationships in general. And the most beautiful section of War and Peace is a description of the development of Pierre and Natasha's marriage. And uh, there's a lot of nice sections about Kitty and Levin's marriage Yeah, that will ring true if you've ever been married. I am. I've been reading. Let me pull it out and see how far I actually am. I've been reading. Also, Making Movies by Sydney Lamette. Lamette. You want to say LeMay? You want to say LeMay, but... You'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. Pretty sure. Looking it up. So I am eh, two-thirds of the way done with that. What chapter are you on? I'm on Rushes, chapter eight. Mm. So we've gotten all the way through shooting the movies. It's basically just Sydney Lamette taking you through the entire process of making a movie back in the day, back when you used literal film. And yeah, there's some like stuff that. that's so, outdated now. Yeah, so the, I'll just run through the chapters real quick so you get an idea. The director, the best job in the world. The script, are writers necessary? Style, the most misused word since love. That was a good chapter. Actors, can, act, can an actor really be shy? That was really interesting and good. The camera, your best friend. It's a lot in there that's outdated. Art direction and clothes. Does Faye Dunaway really have the skirt taken in in 16 different places? Shooting the movie at last. And that's as far as I've read. Rushes, the agony and the ecstasy, the cutting room, the sound of music, the mix, 
the answer print, the studio. Dun, dun, dun. So, but it just works through the whole process and just, it's all the kinds of things that we talk about on Sanity at the Movies. But when you just live with the director, talking it through reinforces all kinds of things that we that we talk about. Everything from just the collaborative, multi-person uh, nature of a movie, that it's really no one person's baby, mm-hmm. even if it feels like it. It's one person's baby. The amount of people who are investing in it is really in, reinforced. And so is every single possible artistic choice. And so some of the fun things that, you know, are like when you're talking about the costuming and, well, we need this to feel a certain way. And so we overcompensate here. This is not what anybody would wear on a train. Murder in the Orange Express, I think is the example. It's, it yeah. needs to be glamorous. But it needs to be glamorous. And so everything, we dial it up to 11. We use black instead of green. We use, we just take everything up a notch because it needs to feel exotic and glamorous because that's part of the movie going experience. It needs to feel like it's part of another world that's outside of your reach. And so nothing is actually the way it would be. Down to choreographing extras in scenes and being sure that color palettes for the kinds of clothes your extras are wearing and where they stand and how to get natural, all all the ways that an extra can take you out of a movie if he doesn't feel like he's part of the scenery and all the ways that camera angles or sunlight or light or natural light or artificial light work. And he's just taking you through that whole, all the things that go into getting a performance out of an actor you talk about on a, on a different episode, the reality of you're going to watch a movie with your wife or whatever, and you get you got hit by a surprise nudity mm-hmm. on screen. And we're forced with, you know, had that forced realization again of this is not something I'm supposed to be seeing. Right. But you, you sort of live as you work through this book with Lumet, the reality of what everything that goes into that shot, you've got the, you've got the body doubles that show up And for the lighting stuff, like you see in that horrible movie, Love Actually, Mm -hmm. you've got the rehearsals and the repetitions and all of the people just standing there and all the people that have to be out of the line of sight so that the actor or actress can sell this without feeling too vulnerable Mm -hmm. and everything else that goes into it. It's just pretty horrific when you think about, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. But yeah, so it's just, it's been... It's always fun to read about somebody's creative process and the elbow grease that goes into making what feels like magic. Mm-hmm. Nobody has a clue ever the work that goes into giving you the things that you love and that you take for granted and that mm-hmm. you feel the right to be critical of. Yeah. Um, well, it's not fun to read about somebody's process if they portray their process as just, I was a genius and inspiration came from on high and some, some, somehow it happened, which is how some people will talk about their processes and that's not helpful but lamette was very practical pragmatic likable dude he has a fun voice he's got a nice sense of humor he's self-deprecating hmm. it's just nice for him to be the one that takes you on the journey if people don't know he was the director of 12 angry men murder on the orient express the version with albert finney and sean connery and all that which is quite prince of the city a number of classics. network network yeah network's a classic 
he's mad as hell. He's not going to take it anymore. He directed a lot of movies, so you probably won't have heard of half or more of them. Serpico, right? Serpico yeah. is a classic of its type, although I don't love it. But I don't like that movie at all, I don't think. Yeah, but I doubt that it's Sidney Lamette's fault that you don't. I think he did a good job. Uh-huh. It's just not. A story that you would ever like. Talks about Prince of the City a lot. Prince of the City, Dog Day Afternoon is kind of a... and Yeah, those are two that he comes back to quite a bit along with Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, well, I think he comes back to his, his hits quite a bit, and why wouldn't he? Yeah. But although he just surprisingly does not talk that much about 12, 12 Angry, Angry Men. Men. I think it was, his, it was his first movie, so... Maybe there's just he talks answer. about it in terms of. It's actually one of the really interesting. Some of the tech stuff is boring because he's just talking about out, outdated technology. But he talks about lenses and the kinds of lenses yeah. that he used to make the room close in on the men and the way that he shot it. And it's. I think I probably talked about this when we did our Twelve Angry Men podcast. But yeah. it's really the, the visual design of that movie is brilliant. Well, and yeah. then you have these lighting things and just the way the room has to be. And so none of these, none of the exchanges, and this is often true with how he. Yeah, you know, he talks about this. He's like, some directors will will film their movie almost sequentially, even though you can't you can't do anything truly sequentially. But if you're going to be on budget and you know be efficient with time, it has to be a hodgepodge of things. And so you know, you film, 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 film. You know, kind of moving out or whatever. I don't know. This is all kinds of different aspects to it. But one of the things that he talks about with 12 Angry Men is that none of those, none of the fights or arguments happened. Right. These actors are not keying off of each other's performances because of the way the room was and the way that everything had to be shot with the walls and the way the camera had to work. They are arguing. They're simply delivering their lines. Right. And so, um, but then for him, that, you know, that, means the rehearsals you have to actually work through a rehearsal process do you know what temperature everything's at when you yeah so you've already basically got the intensity level and everything and it becomes muscle memory and you you feel in your bones what you're fighting against yeah i mean it would be like if we're shooting a dialogue scene between me and ben then we set up the wall. We set up everything with the camera looking at Ben over my shoulder. And then Ben's going to do all of his dialogue. Maybe I'll be off camera just reading the script back to him. Maybe I'm the kind of actor that is going to give a good performance for Ben, even though the camera is not on me. Although Lumet doesn't want that. Right. I shouldn't waste my best performance while. Yeah. You only have so much emotional energy and emotional bandwidth. And so mm-hmm. be as flat as possible is like what he wants you to do. Yeah. When you're off camera hmm. delivering the lines for somebody to play off of. Right. But then also that might create a problem for Ben because then he's got nothing to play to. And so it's, I don't know. I remember hearing stories. Kevin Pollack talks about the famous scene from Few Good Men, 12, what's it called? Yeah, Few Good Men. The Jack Nicholson scene that you can't handle the truth. Mm-hmm. And Jack Nicholson came in all day and gave that monologue. and did it perfectly when the camera was on him and then the camera was on Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson gave it everything. And then they had to do shots of the judge and of Kevin Bacon and of all the different people in the crowd. And Jack Nicholson would just keep bringing full intensity. And this was very unusual. Like nobody does that, mm-hmm. but finally they get done. And Rob Reiner or whoever goes up to Jack Nicholson is like, why did you spend yourself that way? And Jack Nicholson says, Rob, I just love to act. 
<laughs> Which is what makes Jack Nicholson Jack Nicholson, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you could totally see him doing yeah. that. Yeah, I was like, you have a great speech. How many times in the, your life do you get to do, you know, something that you can't handle the truth level? I mean, sure, it's been memed to death and everybody hates it. But it's been memed but... to death and it's iconic for a very good reason. Yeah. It's a, it's a very affecting speech. And he is all in in right. his performance. Yeah, yeah. This is Jack Nicholson. He is Jack Nicholson. He is as Jack Nicholson has ever been. Right. Yep. And it's a good speech. And yeah. So uh, anyway, that's an example of the different kinds of personalities you can run into in a on a movie set and how it'll affect things. But Lamette does a nice job of talking about all of that. We should say the reason Jake has this book is because over on our other podcast, Sanity at the Movies, we have a Patreon tier. To the $50 level where we will send people books, scripts, just something from the month that relates to what we're talking about. Part of our research process, part of, part of, our, of re- our just sort of general ongoing film education that we're giving ourselves as we try to bring you the, the best commentary on movies that is on the internet. Yep, and succeed. And... So every month you get something. So, hey, if you want to sign up for the Patreon. This is fantastic. And the, the, I think that Roger Ebert's quote on the cover is right, invaluable. I'm sometimes asked if there's one book a film goer could read to learn more about how movies are made and what to look for while watching them. This is that book. Yeah. And I think he's right. And Spielberg's on the back plugging it too. Right. I mean, you could, I guess, try and curate your own library, but... If you want me to curate your library for you, which I dare say I'm quite good at because I like movies and I've read all these books, then you become a patriot and you want to support a great podcast. I mean, do you listen to Sanity? I guess this isn't a Sanity at the Movies episode, but you got to listen to Sanity at the Movies. If you listened to it like a couple of years ago and decided it was a certain kind of thing, you should go back and try it again because that podcast has come of age in the last few years, I think. And so it ain't just... Nathan and Jake talk about Star Wars. Not that we didn't have some good insight into Star Wars. I'm not trying to denigrate what we were doing, but that podcast has matured quite a bit. So patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies for that. Mm-hmm. And pick, get yourself a copy of Making Movies by Sidney Lamette if you want to understand the filmmaking process, if you want to understand creative process, understand how things work. It's a great, great, great book. Any other books you wanted to talk about, Jake? I don't think so. All right. Well, my the two books I'm reading right now are Anna Karenina and I'm Making Movies by Sidney Lamette, which I've read before, but I wanted to read it again because it was fun. And it's light enough that you can read a chapter before bed and not feel, oh, no, I have to read this. So that's what I'm doing. Maybe I'll have some more interesting books. I, I have a bunch of things kind of queuing up. but So one of these days I'm going to have a lot to contribute to Sanity Shelves, but life it's a thing that has to be lived. Things have to be done. I'll tell you what else has to be done. In addition to supporting Sanity at the Movies, you should support this podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. And you can be part of the Discord. You can recommend books that you think we should read for, sure. for Sanity Shelves. I'm not, it's not like you get to just force us, but although, hey. No, well, I, I read a book. I think Switch was, yeah. let's see, let me see. Books and podcasts. Yeah, there's what it was. Yeah, I read Switch, which you, you've heard me talk about, because somebody in our Discord was saying it was maybe the best thing that Chip and Dan Heath wrote. Yeah, there it is. Because I read Made the Stick, and I really enjoyed that and talked about it. Right. And he, yeah, somebody hopped on and was like, yeah, 
that was good. It made me want to read everything by them. And Switch is the one that stuck the most and I've recommended the most often. And he goes on about that some. And yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, we don't actually have a reward tier or anything where you get to just tell us to read a book. But hey, for the right amount of money, we could. Oh, there's another Mm. one that I started. Hmm. What's that? Endurance, Shackleton's Incredible Voyage by Alfred Lansing. I just haven't come back to it and probably haven't talked about it on here because it was the book that I had started reading with or listening to with with Peter, but our schedules changed, so we haven't we just haven't listened. We haven't been commuting and things together and able to do that sort of thing. No, maybe one day you'll read Shackleton and we'll talk about it some more. Yeah. My point, though, is that you can definitely influence us to read books. We have a nice community. We take it seriously. They take it seriously. We like them. They like us. It's a good place to talk to us and suggest things for the show. And you can very much make us talk about an article simply by dropping it into the appropriate location. You can very much dictate what we'll talk about. You can't make us read a book, but you can heavily influence us to read a book. And like I said, for the right price. I think we could. We could make a deal. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Sound of sanity, or forward slash sound of sanity. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this show. Review it. We need more reviews. Ben, could you dictate a review for someone to leave? Sure. This show got me thinking about a lot of things that I wasn't thinking about before, and that makes it worth my time. Also, I'm happy to listen to Jake and the crew talk about the books they're reading because it gives me good ideas of things to read myself. I like this guy. Or yeah. Ga- or gal. Yeah. Women can write reviews, too. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Women <laughs> can write reviews, <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. Good review. Somebody should leave it. Change one word, and we'll see if we can identify what that word is. Actually, we'll forget that Ben dictated it and just be like, hey, that's a nice review. Yeah, I think we'll recognize it. You think you'll no, no, yeah, yeah. I think so. I don't know. You can test us to see if we catch the fact that you led plagiarize that you plagiarize. <laughs> yeah, be, why don't you try being creative for once? What are you, the Babylon B? All right, until next time, stay sane. Stay sane.